We were like, why? It's seven. <laughs> we're right on time. Like, I know that there was a guy who changed it. What could I maybe go to the Olympics for? It's gonna be fucking shit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really want to be doing this? Like, I don't. For what reason? Why? <laughs> yeah. I'm so good at fucking triple jump. Just jumping over. Oh, that's like a little bit too much. Literally, can you push good? Oh my fucking God. <laughs> like, this is insane. Fuck that. We're going to get it done. Welcome back to episode four of Done This Week podcast. What did you get done this week? Uh, I'm just coming back from a trip. I actually went to a Tony Robbins event for four days. It was uh, UPW, Unleash the Power Within. Um, that was four days. Went with my little brother. It was in Dallas. And so coming on the back, coming back from that. Um, and yeah, we hired one of our first sales reps at, at Foreplay, which mm. is kind of cool. So we started this week. So um, one, super motivated from all the Tony Robbins stuff. Mm. One, it was like a masterclass on like in-person sales and like emotional triggers for like to getting money out of people which we'll like get into um and honestly kind of like sparked a lot of ideas for the, the sales hire and then uh, a lot of my time this week is spent yeah just onboarding this new this new hire mm. so event event wise what what like how was it so this is the second time that i went to upw um both of them that i went to is in so the way tony robbins works he has obviously all of his content and he has his in-person events um and like upw is kind of like the intro level event it's like for you know it's not like specific like he has like business mastery he has life mastery he has like health mastery upw is kind of just like a it's like a taste of everything um but it's also very much focused around what you're essentially building up to is like eliminating limiting beliefs inside of your life and like figuring out why you think about certain things in a certain way kind of like really mapping out your entire life to figure out where there's like gaps whether it's like your health or like your finances or like relationship um and then it's also just like a lot of fun um, the way that it kind of, oh, also you walk across fire. So that's, Classic. that's kind of like the headline thing <laughs> yeah. is like you walk across hot coals, um, which is like cool and fun. And it's like an adrenaline rush. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a four day event. It's like almost 12 to 14 hours every single day. So you're pretty exhausted, mm -hmm. but what's pretty crazy about being at the event is that you realize how, uh, like energy actually can be manipulated like your actual personal energy. Um, so you'd be like sitting around doing nothing like or like writing notes and you'd start getting tired like the way that you would in like class or, you know, on, in, during a work day. And his like emotional and like room intelligence to figure out when like the energy's dropping and he would like instantly start playing music. Everyone had to stand up, jump around and like mm. whatever. And then you'd be like, wow, I have 10x more energy than I had 30 seconds ago, which was like a really cool thing to experience right. and get reminded of. Right. It made me. It made me buy a uh, mini trampoline for the office to jump. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even he does that every day. Yeah. So is the one you went to the one that the like that Netflix movie? Was no. Based on? So the Netflix one is is a one about. It's called Date with Destiny. Okay. That one's much more focused around like your personal relationships right. and like that whole like side. Right. UPW is kind of just like you're, it's like high level your whole life, work, finances, living beliefs, and health is kind of like the curriculum. Any like big epitomes what's what's kind of cool about it so i went in 2019 where i had like a really big breakthrough that like felt heavy and like since then i feel like I'm, i've become more of like an emotionally intelligent person and like i have some of these like practices in my life to where like i don't get blindsided mm -hmm. by his stuff as much and so in this one it like this time i went I, it wasn't as like impactful part of it might have been that you've already kind of like done this but i also think it was a bit of a testament to like, oh, like some of the stuff that was new to me in 2019 just became part of my life. And so therefore, 
you know, there, there wasn't as many blind spots. Um, like I think like some of the stuff was like kind of personal. I wouldn't get into it, but like high level one was I, I feel like I did have like a limiting belief that I couldn't be the best in the world at something. Like I have like, I definitely don't have self-confidence issues, but like, I didn't think I've, I definitely have a belief that I can't be like number one. Mm -hmm. Like I know I can be like very, very good, but like number one means like gold medal at the Olympics. Right. Or like most valuable company in the world. And like, there's a million versions of number one. And I feel like what I realized at this event was like, oh, like I don't think I, one, I know that I probably, I can be number one at something, but I think deep down I have this like limiting belief that like, oh, you can never be number one. Um, which I think there is like a huge leap from like being excellent to number one. Right. And so that was like an interesting kind of insight. Right. Like, I don't know where that comes from. I was like trying to like work through it. Um, and like, I worked through like a decent well, amount where it was like, one is like, I never won like a crazy big sporting championship in my life. Like it was, I, <clears throat> I was always part of sports teams. And like, that's like all of my competitive nature comes from sports. And so I was always a part of sports teams that kind of like we went to the finals or, you know, we would like lose in overtime. Like we were really good teams but like we were never number one. Like part of me is like, oh, like how much of that or like for uh, and when I was in high school, I went to like whatever the Ontario like wrestling championships. I got second place. So <laughs> it's like there might be just like this condition into me that like, oh, like you're really good and like you're going to be better than most people. But maybe you can't be number one. And so right. Going to try to well, shift that. Do you think like a do you, like do you a need to think you can be number one and be like, is that even like a healthy way to think? Because like if you look at whoever made like, let's say whatever, the biggest company in the world, did they think at the start or wherever in their journey, they, I don't think it's at the, I don't think it's at the start. See, and I don't think it's about like thinking that the specific thing, it's not like, Oh, I'm doing this specific thing right now. I think it'd be number one. Right. I think it's more of like a broader belief that like me as a person can be the best in the world at X. Right. And I think that's where like, I think having that belief in yourself is going to yield better. Like, obviously, the, like it's not good if you're ignorant about it. Right. Like, I will right. not be the best ba basketball player in the world. Right. But, like, I think understanding that, like, oh, you actually could be the best in the world at something, even if for, like, a very small period of time, mm -hmm. um, would be good. Mm -hmm. It's better than the opposite belief, in my opinion. Right. Um, 100%. Yeah. Oh, but okay. So let's get into like his fucking business. One, okay. Tony Robbins is a fucking baller. He's been doing this. Like, I, I am a big fan of Tony Robbins. I think a lot of the stuff he does is woo woo. He definitely goes a little bit wider <laughs> to like increase his TAM to include like normies and like shit like that. Right. Um, so, like, there's that. But as like a sales and like conversion rate person, it, it, I was like sitting there being like, this motherfucker. So there's two specific moments that I was just like, wow, he's printing money. Um, one of them, so this four day long event, uh, on the third day is his last day that he's actually there. And he, he's hinting out throughout the whole day that like, I've got a big surprise for you guys tonight. I have a big surprise for you guys tonight. But it, And he would just like drop it. And then at the end of the night, it was probably like nine or 10 p.m. He goes, okay, I'm heading out, but the big, like I, I'm, and he like, I didn't actually stay, um, but he was like, they're flying in. It's a person. It's going to be cool. Like you're going to, your mind's going to be blown. So I'm like, oh, it's like some sort of act or something. Um, and, and then he goes, it's going to happen in an hour. 
But if you guys want to go sign up for, um, it's called like Mastery University, which is like a, a package that's like $10,000, you can do that now. And so he puts you in this situation where you have this, you want to stick around because there's some sort of surprise. Right. If you don't go up to the table to spend the $10,000, you're now just sitting in a convention center for an hour at 9.30 or 10. There's also no food around. And so it's like, you're even people are like, oh, I'm not going to sign up for Master University. I'm going to sit there. You're give, you're, he's creating space for people to sit for an hour to be Think like, well, maybe it. I should. And like start questioning themselves. Like, oh, like, and then they have all the social proof of like all these other people going up and paying for it. And then you start, and then those people are like, are those people better than me? Like, are they making the right decision? I'm making the bad decision. And so it was just like, wow. Like <laughs> what a curated environment to like absolutely just drain people for money. Like it was just like so good. So you bought it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was going to, um, I've always wanted to do it. Essentially it's like four in-person events throughout the year, um, whatever. And just two of the events, I already have scheduling commitments. So like uh, literally didn't make sense. Yeah. But otherwise I would because... The one I really want to do is Life Mastery, which is in Fiji. And it's like, he has like a resort in Fiji. Um, and so I think that would be really cool. Because I would also say, anecdotally, when just like being at a Tony Robbins event, you can see like the Tony Robbins lifers. Um, and the Tony Robbins lifers that are in their 60s look amazing. <laughs> and like, like just like, by like you're just like wow like wow you look incredible <laughs> and so it's like he definitely has and he looks amazing too for being right. in his like mid 60s yeah, you know and, and also being like a large person like he weighs 290 pounds he's yeah. six foot seven like he has like a lot of parts of the, like those people usually break down you know and so um i always wanted to do is like his health one and um liver king was actually there which was kind of funny he was in, <laughs> he was he was in the crowd so that was kind of interesting but yeah it was it was a good event um, he also has this really cool offer, which is called platinum partners, which he, um, he essentially frames it as his chosen family or like the, or something. So a hundred thousand dollars a year, you get access to all Tony Robbins events. And then he has court, like quarterly trips for each ones. And, uh, it looks like fucking awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I actually met a guy when we were actually living in Scottsdale that did it. And he was like, best money I ever spent in my life by far, but don't do it until after you sell a company. Cause like you can't do this properly unless you have all the time in the world. Um, but he, it's actually really cool. Like he has, he does these like finance events. Um, and like in the past, like he had like, like he flies in like Ray Dalio and like, it's like an intimate group, like 18, mm. 19 people in a room and a ski resort in Whistler. And like, you're just there for like three days with Ray Dalio and he's mm. like talking and like, so awesome. yeah. Really cool event. A lot of like learnings for myself and also just like, wow, like what a, what a goat in terms of like marketing and sales and that whole like space, that whole space. He's like he's, he's, he's the one. goat. Every, he's any one. sort of life coach or something like that, that is currently out there is just a version of Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Like true stop. Like the moment you start doing Tony Robbins stuff, you realize that any other thing that's like, out there in the world is his shit. <laughs> like, so, um, and also just like a really cool representation of someone that's been doing one thing for his whole life. Mm. He's, he started, um, he started kind of like running seminars and stuff when he was 17 years old with Jim Rohn. Have you ever watched, yeah, listen yeah, to yeah. Jim Rohn stuff? Yeah, a lot. So like Jim Rohn was like his, like his, his, Tony Robbins. his Tony Robbins, but he's, and again, like Tony Robbins started when he was 17 years old, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. I'll, I'll, uh, I hope I'll get some time to do some more of his stuff throughout. Cause like, 
I'm also acutely aware that like he's not going to be here forever. And I right. feel like he's getting close to being done. Um, and the people he has bringing up like second in command or just, it's not just the same. It's on the fucking same. Yeah. Thing. It's like, so yeah. What would you do this week? So this week we have a new website launching. So I've been nice. excited for that and just fixing all every little edge case with it. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to bring up, we had discussed intro a few weeks ago. So I did my first call from intro with a guy that I'm forgetting his name right now, but he made a company called swag up. I think it's called mm -hmm. they bootstrap to hundred million dollars a year. Haven't raised a penny. Basically what they do is swag, but you can get it through an API call. So when you hire a new employee, automatically they get this box. When you get a new customer that spends like $8,000 or more, they get this sweater or whatever. So had a call with him, um, just like 30 minutes. Um, so I'm breaking down the business and his main advice was like, why don't you just email your customers that churned and ask them why they churned and email your customers that are active right now and ask them what they like about Wizza. And I was like, yeah, but like, I already know why people turn and I know, I know there's problems we need to fix product wise. Like I already know what those are, like whatever, but he kind of dug into it more and I was like, all right, screw it. Like I've never, like people always talk about like talk to your customers, whatever. And like, I've, I do a lot of sales calls and I listen to like multiple sales calls every week. But in terms of like someone canceling, I don't think I've ever actually talk reached to out to someone that canceled. Like we've thrown up a survey, but I've never like spoken right. to them one-to-one. -one. Have you? Um, I, I have just because it's one, I like a lot of people we're in a lucky position where if like someone doesn't like something, I feel like that we have like a lot of communication channels right. to like talk with us. And so I get a little, some inbound. Um, one, I think it's like an incredibly important thing to do. Have you ever done the product market fit survey that the founder of Superhuman built? No. Okay. 100% do this. So we, the founder of Super, Superhuman <clears throat> wrote this blog post about what product market fit really feels like. And he was obsessed about figuring out, okay, what's the formula for product market fit? And so the questions are around, like, if you could no longer use Wizza anymore, would you feel mildly dissatisfied? Mm. And, it, and and there's like these very pointed specific questions that are not like, how do you like the tool? Would Right. Like, they're like, they're emotional feelings about the product and not like utility feelings about your product. And um, essentially, when you send this out to your customers, he has like levels of product market fit of like if 40% of your customers say this, then it's like you are kind of in product mm. market fit, but this, anyway. So I recommend doing mm, that. Yeah. I haven't done it in like probably a year now, but when we hit around 500 customers, is I think I did it the first time. Mm -hmm. There's also an issue with it that the, there's a bit of a bias as well. Cause like the people that- Spend all that time to fill it out. Just fill it all the time. But again, like maybe he adjusted for some of that. Right. Um, yeah. And, Recently, like now, um, like we, I brought out like a new head of operations and he's been really, he also believes that like everybody on the team should talk to customers. And so he's been setting up everybody on our team with customer calls, which mm. I think is really, really cool. And yeah. like, we've gotten a ton of cool feedback. Like recent, like today, there was one company that is like, it's like a big conglomerate and they have um, an in-office network. And so they were blocked, apparently four plays getting blocked potentially because of like the name. <laughs> and so they're like, so take this in, talk about product market fit. <laughs> These motherfuckers have a girl that goes home, uses foreplay, and then like 
screenshots the boards and like puts them into the Slack <laughs> channel and like uses her home Wi-Fi network because she can't access it on her like, which that's is like, funny. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's fucking crazy. Maybe a secondary domain or something. So we're, that's what we were trying to figure out. But this is the first time it's came up. Right. Um, and so I find it hard to believe. And then but all, how do you sign up if you're blocked? That's, you know? that's so also, like maybe there's, that's also true. Yeah. We haven't fully got to the, we, that's our, that's our leading theory. Right. But, but we're also like, yeah, how do they even like sign up? Or I guess they might've sought a phone. I, I don't know. Right. I, I feel like we would have heard about this more, more, but yeah, it's, yeah, it has to be a pretty strict network. Yeah. Our biggest, our biggest one was so funny because I, I do know that there are reasons people cancel, especially in our space. Like people, a lot of times like find leads for a project and whatever they, then they don't need it anymore. Um, and I knew like a lot of the reasons, but like half the emails we've gotten back have been like, yeah, we canceled because your phone numbers suck. And two things. One, I didn't, I didn't know our phone numbers sucked. Okay. I knew that phone numbers are really hard to figure out on people and our email data is really good, but like mm -hmm. brutally honest, there are better phone number providers out there. And we've like, we've, we've said that on calls. Um, but most people from like a sales call just say like, yeah, we don't care that much about phone. Like no one, no one cold calls these days. So I was just like, right. whatever, like people don't really care about phone numbers. It's not like a reason that someone's canceling. So it's like, they've always been in the back of my mind. And also like a lot of our competitors don't even have phone numbers. So I was like, whatever. Um, so it was just like crazy to me to see the amount of people that have canceled because of phone number data. And it's like something we can drastically improve mm. like pretty easily that like would have never come to my mind for probably like years so so how much anyway. how much did the call cost with the guy from intro um i think it was 250 bucks for 30 that's minutes easy. so that's easy but he like saves you one customer and yeah it's like so maybe well it, yeah like i mean have you done the math ever on like dropping churn rates and where that yeah it's incredible it, it's, it's like yeah it makes especially now we're kind of at this point where our churn is even with our new customers per month and so like dropping our churn by like 10% would like double the, the business, business over an extended period of time. Right. But not 10% drop in turn, like 10% lower than what it is now. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep you posted on how it goes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, okay. I, so one, this is a good, nice transition. Wizza, your main customer base is salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, we've always been like very product led. I take product demos. So, but, Essentially, I put a demo button on our website. I instantly started getting like, flooded with uh, demo calls and my life quickly became hell of just like sitting on demos all day. Cause like I would see like companies come through. I'm like, I'm gonna get a, I have to get on a call with yeah. these guys. Like they're fucking huge. Um, and so we went out, found our first AE uh, who actually used to be like a user of Foreplay, which is really nice and easy because we don't need to train on the product and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, I don't think I'm a great salesperson. I don't think, and I'm like kind of, I've been leaning on you quite a bit on like kind of guiding and like how we should move into having like a sales led process or at least having a part of it. Okay. So what I want from you is to tell me the top three ways or the top three tips and secrets to scaling a SaaS company with sales, direct sales, booking demos, things like that. Okay. So the first that comes to mind is there is a company called Gong and what they do is they record sales calls and they garner like insights from it and they publish it all for free on their blog. One of the biggest learnings we had from it was 
the best sales demos that are most likely to close, the rep sends 50% of the time speaking and the prospect spends 50% of the time speaking. When we looked at ours, we were like 90, 10. It was like a little bit of small talk at the start. And then, okay, here's Wizza for like an hour. And then like, do you have any questions? Here's price. Do your demos take an hour? hour? No, no, they're, okay. they're 30 minutes, but yeah, like the, the product demo maybe took 20 minutes, that portion of it. So very little like back and forth. How we fixed it was obviously discovery. Um, so this would probably be my, my most important tip is to nail discovery. So discovery is that portion of the sales demo at the start where you're figuring out why did the customer come to you? Uh, what problem they have, how they're currently solving that problem or not solving that problem. Um, what other options they're exploring? Maybe sometimes what, like what type of budget they have for something like this. But the key is really like, what, what's your process right now? Cause you can dig into that later when you're following up, when you're showing it and you know, what are you looking to achieve? Um, what that lets you do is tailor the entire rest of that sales call. So in your case, if someone says, Hey, we're you, if they're like, we can't find ad inspiration anywhere and we don't really do much of it. And this is the, that's a totally different demo than someone that's like, Oh, we're on Facebook ad library all every the day. every day. We just have no way of saving the ads right? because then you're, it, it yeah, it's just there's totally like different, different magic moments for those, each for the, those for those people. people. Yeah. And even just like what they're going to find value in, like that person mm -hmm. that's so familiar with Facebook ad library, if you show them, Hey, uh, we, you can sort it by the longest running ads, something that, mm. you know, whereas with someone that doesn't use Facebook ad library very much, that's like, what the hell does that mean? Because, okay, they're longest running, they're old. Like, so they might not know the value in that. And maybe you can educate more on that. Um, as well as like the other tools they're using right now, if they're like, yeah, we take screenshots and we bring it into Google drive, then it's like, oh, so what do you do if you have a video? Right. It's like, oh, we, we link to it. It's like, oh. Do you ever go back to that link and the ad's gone? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that happens all the time. It's like a pain point they didn't even know. Right. Um, so anyway, discovery, I think is is the most important piece. So just making sure there's like very pointed questions that can shape the rest of that demo call, having a 50-50 split between the, the sales rep and the prospect. One way we did that is just, um, it's just pauses for questions. And so many times when you're talking, you, you just assume that people will, so just put their hand up and ask a question, but it's not until you actually like take a pause there and allow them to actually ask the question because people will say like, Oh, I got to ask about this later. I'm not sure how this works. Yeah, and they forget. just forget. Um, so yeah, pausing for questions, leaning back on those pain points. And then the third one I would say, um, is around like, it's more around pricing and packaging. I think when you're building out a sales team initially, um, there has to be a core offer at the end of it. We made the mistake cause we're credit based and, and we have all these different ways you can get a WISA plan that we'd finish the call and be like, okay, so like how many email credits do you think you might use right. per month per rep? And it's just like, it's just very confusing and it's, it's tough. It's like, how many users would use this? It's like, okay, let me go back and talk with the team and see who wants this. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't, I would try to eliminate that packaging phase to be the most simple. Hey, most of our enterprise customers get start with this. You get right. this for a year, it's five seats. It's this, if you need more, it's this much, but like, here's the offer and I'm, I'll send it to you as a quote. And if you need any adjustments, 
you can, you know, just let me know because it just makes it so much easier for that yeah. person to say yes. I actually, the, this week I've never, I've had people say that, oh, I'm going to sign up today, but I've, I've never been good at asking for like the credit card on the phone this week was, I was like the first, I'm like, I've always hedged it in a way that's like, that's not me. But now that I'm like, now that I hired a sales guy, I'm like, I want this motherfucker asking for credit card on the phone. Right. And so I, and so I've been taking all the calls again this week and he's just sitting in on them. And so I'm like, I've been asking, it's like super uncomfortable for me. Cause I, I'm so like, not good at like, like selling. Mm. Like I like telling you about the product and like, I'm not great at like asking for the sale. And so I've been doing that this week, which has been a, it's been an interesting, and I closed with the guy's like, yeah, yeah. Like, send me the link. Yeah. And then he's just like, and I, felt, I was like, this is awesome. And I I'm know. like, I'm going to want to start taking sales calls again if I can just be like collecting like cash like this. That's what makes sales so fun is like, or when you're managing the pipeline and, and um, following up and you get a deal, like yeah. it just feels amazing. But w I will say, because you mentioned that one thing you're going to find at 100% is that the reps you bring on are going to be way worse than you at that product part like way worse even if they're like lifetime sales reps um, but better at those other like sales pieces so the the call quality if you watched it back you might actually think is a lot worse but the but, close rate will be yeah the close rate will be higher and, and with time and um yeah with time they'll get better what i would do is record a bunch of your demos and let them watch mm. and sit in on your demos and kind of like tag team where Hey, you, you do the discovery. I'll do the product demo. This is what we did. And then at the end of the demo, you, if you want to present the packaging and, and whatever, here's a, here's a question. Do you think that sales demos, there's like a world in which like an AI agent starts being your sales rep? Like, have you seen those videos of people, um, like they're they'll be like taking a job interview with like this screen. Oh, I love that side. video. That's such a good video. I was, I was howling at that. It's video. an amazing, it's an amazing video. <laughs> this guy, he's just on the, he's like taking a job interview and then the AI is just like feeding him the answers. And not only just a job interview, it's like an, he's like an aerospace engineer. engineer yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, if AI can win an aerospace engineering interview, it's like, could they also overcome any sort of sales objection? Yeah. Could they all, and you know, and, like now AI, AI voices are really, really good. Like yeah, that's webcams are actually pretty shit. And so like if you actually just had a rendered video in front of you, it would probably be like a better like, like it's a good looking with, person. It just starts with like, hey guys, I'm so sorry, but I got to turn my camera off. My laptop's been giving me problems. Right. <laughs> I think the camera will be the easiest part. And like, yeah. no, do you mean crazier is like if you if like part of your prospecting process is like you start scraping like their social media profiles to see what content they like so it's like if they're liking a bunch of blondes it's like the sales rep is blonde <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's just the highest yeah. converting ai sales rep ever that's actually actually that's a great the I only problem i think this should be your next company i i would do something <laughs> like that the only problem is once people know about it you're gonna join a sales call and be like are you bought or real hold up four finger like whatever like uh, here's the question. Okay, but why why are why people, does it matter? Why are people getting on sales calls? Because they have questions that need to be answered, and they have what I've noticed also. It's just like there's companies that have a quote unquote procurement process in which they need to get on calls with right. people and like ask some bullshit question that's available on your website. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, I don't know. I don't like getting on sales calls. Like if I have to go to a software company and have to get on a sales call, yeah, I'm that's pissed. a pain. Yeah, right. And so. If it's a robot or it's whatever, like it's like it's, like it's gonna be fucking shit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really want to be doing this? Like I don't. At least maybe you can one point five exit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, like imagine you could just one point, and you wouldn't also feel bad if like halfway, 
okay, here's the thing. You're halfway through the call. You realize this definitely is not for me. Like you don't really need, one, you don't need to have the courage to be like, hey, you stop, this isn't for me. And then you have to deal with this guy being like, whatever, clawing at you to try right. to keep you around. It's like, oh, like not, this isn't for me. And it could be any time. It could be any time. That's our biggest issue too right now is like we have a lot of, like we sell everywhere, right? So yeah. we have people that want to have demos in the middle of the night. Right. Um, do you guys have like an overseas rep or anything? No, no. but our, like our reps will take a call like at night at right. home. Right, right, right. Or early. Yeah, anyway, I'm excited for the sales thing. We'll use Wizza to scrape some <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you know the way in the Olympics when they do the high jump, the way that they jump over the bar not just in the olympics i've i've high jumped <laughs> a good amount in my life they, they do high jumping outside of the olympics yeah you, ne you never did high jump <laughs> no i i, I mean i think i messed around with it oh. but i didn't do track oh dude i you good i did high i actually my like my niche one it's also like so like the thing that i'm good at is like it's i'm high really jump? no it's fucking triple jump okay. i'm so good at fucking triple jump like is that the one in the sand yeah, like long jump and triple triple jump happen the same thing. But okay. triple jump is like it's a hop skip and then jump rather than just like run and jump. Um and I just I was I was really good like from like grade like two or three, whenever we start track and field, I was like really good at triple jump. Track and field I is just so strange to me. Like it's such a strange myriad of like events. I feel like it's kind of like I like it because it's like it's like a combination of athletics and then a test. Like it's just a yeah, like there's like consistent test. tests, yeah. which like I really like. It's like super binary. Like there's not like the issue is, I guess no no track and field's all pretty binary. Bullshit ones are like fucking, um, what's it called? Uh, gymnastics when there's like judges. I don't. Yeah. I think sports with judges aren't sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can't judging. They're exactly who's judging. I mean, so, then, you could, then, you could, then you could say boxing isn't a sport. Yeah. But even okay, I think if a if a boxing match ends in ends by decision, like there's always people that are like that's bullshit decision. Right. If someone like doesn't jump over the bar, they're like no one's like, right. That bar fell easier, <laughs> like, you know. There was less wind. Yeah. Um, okay, but do you, do you know the story of why people jump the way they jump in the high jump? I I know a little I know a little bit about it. Like I know that there was a guy who changed it. Yeah, honestly, like I I think I had heard this story years ago, and somehow it came up on my Twitter or something, and I just like reread the story, and it's honestly just such a good story. Like there's just something about it. So this guy Dick Fosbury, good name. Yeah, great name. Great name to set a high jump record. He he like comically sucks at the high jump, which is like the best part of this story, and just like his tenacity to be good at it rather than being like, oh, I'm going to just go try the triple jump. <laughs> so he he sucks at, at high jump. One day his friends bet him that he couldn't jump over like a like a lawn chair and he couldn't and he fell and broke his hand. So okay. it's like, he the guy yeah. sucks at jumping. Have you seen the video of Bill Gates trying to jump, jumping over the chair? No. Okay. We'll put, we'll, we'll, put we'll, we'll bookmark in. that. There's a video yeah. of Bill Gates jumping over a chair. Incredible. Oh my God. Over? Over. He makes it? Yeah. Okay. Well, Dick Fosbury could not. Could not make it. Okay. <laughs> so he, uh, anyway, so he, he's involved in track and field, whatever. He keeps like getting slightly better at high jump, but he's not, he's obviously not very good at it. He comes, he's in school for engineering. Um, and he realizes that if he jumps backwards, 
I'm not an engineer, but something to do with okay. the center of mass being in a different location, you can actually jump higher if you get this like technique right. So whatever, he's getting laughed at because everyone's just jumping over the bar normally and he's like flying over it backwards. Oh, this the is, way the, it this, is the, this is the, they have a name for this. Isn't it called the Fosbury flop? It's called the Fosbury yeah, flop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I was in high school, they taught it, or even elementary school, they taught us both of them. There's like the scissor and then the Fosbury the flop. Fosbury flop. So yeah, I, I don't even think, I'm not sure if the scissor existed. At, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe okay. it did. How were people doing it before? The Fosbury flop. Just jumping over. No, no, they're doing the scissor. <laughs> okay, I don't know what the scissor is. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, so yeah, you, you, you were probably... It was they were, they were probably doing the scissor, so he's doing this Fosbury flop, whatever. Especially if you're the first time ever doing yeah. it, like people are probably laughing at you. Um, but he gets good. He ends up making it to the Olympics in Mexico City in 1968, um, and he ends up winning the gold medal with this Fosbury flop, first time it's ever been seen before. And he only competed in the Olympics once that year. Um, never came back, like just beat it and kind of just like disappeared and went on to engineering. Also, another thing cool about him. So wait, he, he went to the Olympics, won the gold medal, and then it was just like, I'm done? Yeah. Wow, yeah. dude. He, um, he didn't go to the opening ceremony because he wanted to go see Mexico City. So he wasn't, he wasn't. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. I know. He Is going, he still around? He actually just died this year when Fuck, I was researching dude. this. Yeah. Well, you wanted to grab a beer with him? Dude, <laughs> this guy seems like the the most top G guy in the entire I know. fucking world. Skipped the opening ceremony and then skipped all of practice. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just had a new He technique. just wasn't practicing. Wow. He, I, Yeah. So, uh, I, and then he goes, beats it, totally changes the sport and the high jump to this day. Everyone does the Fosbury flop. Wow. What a story. That is amazing. <laughs> I remember there was a few months ago, I guess maybe almost now a few years ago, where you and I talked about going to the Olympics. Yes. We were like pretty convinced. I mean, I think one of the lamest things we, things we ever did was not follow through on this like tra chain of things. Because I think we could have went to the Olympics. Yes. Our idea was like we would just dedicate most of our lives. We would like we looked it up. It was like a, it was a math problem. We needed to gain like 30 to 40 pounds of muscle. Yeah. And, well, like, so the sport was bobsledding. The bob yeah, the sport was bobsledding. And the Canadian bobsled team is notorious for having a bunch of people on it that were not previous like Nobody grew up as a bobsled. Yeah, that that so that was my first first epiphany with it. It was actually in like high school that I was like, "What could I maybe go to the Olympics for?" So I'm just kind of looking around and I'm like, "Bobsledding, like you're just kind of sitting there in a cart, like, right?" And, and some guys push, push you at the start, like to push someone. You're at the Olympics. You could get a medal, and you just like do a pushing motion. Like, seems like a bench press to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm looking into it and. The way that you actually get in, get approved is, especially at that young age, is based on your like bench press, squat, deadlift, and a few other things like right. box jump. And like, so it's just like, literally, can you push good? And so, yeah, there was, there's not much skill. There was like, it's like a math and like genetics problem. It's yeah. essentially what you're fighting against. So like you could, you could find yourself in a situation where the genetics, like you just don't you're have too the genetics. short or you're or too like short or you can't produce enough whatever like something but i mean we like very like we probably spent like a couple hours like yeah. researching this like over the course of like a good amount of time we were like yeah like we could definitely do this we just need to dedicate a lot of time um we need to gain weight um yeah i, I don't know wh where i was going with this but i think i mean 
I still would want to do it, but we're kind of we're, we're like we're slowly reaching our. Like, Are we too old? We're, we're past we're, our uh, peak bobsledding age. I think we need twenty four months to actually make it happen physically. Like fi I think we would need twenty four months to probably more time for me than yourself to like get to that shape. Like, mm -hmm. I think we would probably can do it in two years, and so that would put me at twenty nine, and it would put you at what twenty seven, twenty eight, depending on what time of the year it is. <laughs> um, so like yeah like if we were gonna do this we would have to do this like somewhat soon we gotta get on it but i think it's i mean maybe this like circles back to me wanting to be the best in the world like imagine we won a gold medal for bobsledding wow i mean that would be a pretty cool side i just think going to the olympics would be fucking amazing yeah yeah i mean i wouldn't care no one can I, take I that away from you. Medal. no one can yeah. take no one can take away from you i wonder what else we could do i mean the only other thing is like you got to figure out some way to get into the paralympics or something and like right but that seems like cheating because I don't think I belong to the Paralympics. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. The, if, you ask, if you ask my friends, they, they have a different answer. Maybe we can Fosbury flop it. Maybe people have been doing bobsledding bob all, wrong. all wrong the entire time. Maybe we should put the sled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think, you, I think you're drawing too much inspiration from the flop. Um, no, I mean, I think then you, yeah, if we were living in a place... Oh, that was the other piece is that we we would need to, we needed to move somewhere. To yeah, I think properly. it was in BC is where the bobs. BC uh, or Alberta, I think there was an option, or we could do Lake Placid, Mich Michigan. That could work. That could work. It's actually <laughs> a nice place. I had a hockey tournament when I was a kid in Lake Placid. <laughs> place. Um, I also the two nights ago I had an all an all nighter. I was like obsessed, and I was trying to build our own GPT because I was just like, okay, this is something new that came out. I'm going to start doing this. Um, one would so these are interesting findings that I found in building the GPT. I was getting worse. I was getting a lot worse um, results than just using chat. So it was like it seemed like I couldn't harness the full right. You were like limiting it if, rather. Than it felt like it felt the GP like not no not even uh, because it's less expansive in terms of where you could take it. Uh, actually, in like word for word outputs between the two of them, hmm. like it was like it was almost like there was like pieces missing. Hmm. Um, which kind of pissed me off, but I also, and so in that, in that, that same night when I was trying to build this all in, all in a night, um, I also was like, okay, I need to book a flight, um, cause I'm going to Thailand in December. And so I started to like the process of like booking flights and I was just like, wow, this is fucking horrible. Like I hate booking travel because it's one, it's like a million amount of decisions and they're all conditional. It's like, Okay, do I want to live? Do I want to leave in the morning on the third of December or the afternoon? It's like, well, it's kind of conditional on when it lands. But then I was also like, there's also a condition. So there's these websites you can go on that will tell you the jet lag impact of certain flights and like where you leave for like mm -hmm. the time zone versus whatever. And so I'm like, part of me was like, I want a GPT that I can like ask the question like, which flight should I take? But then be like, okay, if you were to account for the least impact on like jet lag which flight would it be mm. and like that i could and then it's and then you make the decision based on price plus jet lag or like something right. like that but it's to do this all separately i had like a bunch of tabs and then i ended up and then it was also like i had also other questions being like um okay like i was like thinking about like booking first class because it's like a 20-hour flight and so i was like okay it, for this thai air flight does this include lay down? Because therefore then the price right. is potentially okay. But if it's like just a bigger seat, then it's not worth the price. And like, I had to go like re researching all the planes. And like, I was like, wow, to actually make a proper decision about this with like the level of neuroticism that I wanted to, <laughs> it was like way too much work in which I thought could be easily 
mitigated from ChatGPT. And I know everyone's been talking about ChatGPT travel agents, but I was like, I actually lived it and I really like thought about it. I was like, wow, this would be so much better. Mm. Yeah, you could almost have like a, a like a personality survey at the start. It's like, how much do you value right. this or this? Or like <clears throat> you do it one time. Where Where do you currently have points? Like, right. and then it's also like, oh, you can transfer your American Express points it to British Airways. That. that means that you can now get, instead of this shitty first class flight, you get this one that has laydowns. You just need For to spend points. the points and you have, you have to transfer them to right. make it work. Like, and, the, it, and it, remem- it remembers. Yeah, like, it remembers. Like you can literally just like link up everything and understand it. Because also the UI of all of these travel platforms, like I've been like mind blown by being like travel is such a massive industry. It's been, like everybody books travel online now. And everything feels like shit. Like the only website that I think is travel centric that feels good for me is Airbnb. Like Airbnb, like I've never had any issues. Like trying to book book their credit card platforms like Amex or RBC, like they'll have like crazy front end bug, like, bug issues. Yeah, those like are insane fu- any, front end bug any issues. Any financial company that's ever made a website, it's yeah. But and even like these like like people who like their whole like Expedia, like their whole thing. And like, I was having this bug with Expedia where it kept redirecting me to the French site. And I, like, I even like created a new account, wiped my cookies, went on to incognito and I was having these issues. And I was just like, man, these companies are just like, like there's been multiple times when I re- get like a front end bug fix. I'm like, fuck, I'll just like go and like get it on Google flights. Yeah, Which yeah. like, I don't like Google flights all the time because then it like redirects you to a website. Yeah. There's this other bug that drives me fucking insane where it's like, if you're on Google flights, booking an American Airlines flight in Canada, it redirects right. you to the American Airlines website. And then it takes you through the whole process. And by the end of it, when you have to put in your billing address, if you don't have a U.S. billing address, you can't book the flight. And I've it's, done this five or six I times. Know. It's terrible. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Like, this is insane. Like, and like, these are like low ticket things, you know, yeah. like, like if they optimize these and just get these like and just like figure these out. But I guess you could also say that like every flight you go on now is like, completely booked out so like why do they even care yeah they don't have a shortage it's a commodity yeah, yeah like <laughs> we're not out of customers yeah we're not out of customers i mean like, i think like yeah the the flight is fine like it depends what you're doing but when you have a lot of pieces tied together it's just yeah. like oh yeah that's right i've also completely given up on planning in advance for flights um i look back on one i have like a bunch of like airline credits from cancellations that whatever and like getting getting airline credits to be converted into anything that's inc- like a value is impo- impossible. Like you have to call in and it's like through yeah. a partner. Like, it's just like, okay, this is just, gonna, I'm just going to burn this money. Right. Um, and I look back on like the whole year and I've traveled a lot this year and like the amount of times when I just like didn't take a return flight because an opportunity came up, it's just like way too many. So now yeah. like I'm not booking return flights anymore until I'm in the destination. Dude, same. Um, and I'm not, and I'm, I was, but I'll book, I'll book like outbound flights. Cause I'm like, okay, I need to be here for this time. Yeah. But no, I I only I pretty much only book one way, and I'll only book like a week in advance. Right, and like just, the, the amount of times I've had to cancel, and it's just like yeah, it doesn't. Or like you just you can't even cancel, and it's just like okay, I'm just this is it's going, gone. it's gone. Yeah. Um, the other thing that drives me insane. This is becoming a rant about travel, but like, it's crazy. Have you ever booked like a multi city flight? Yeah. Dude, I made the mistake once that if you don't get on, so I, I booked a multi city flight. Let's just say it's like Toronto to London to Dubai, um, with like a big gap. Like this is a three-day gap in London. One time I didn't get on the flight. Like I, I went earlier. That's that's I think that's actually what it was. I went earlier than my original multi-city flight. I flew to London like a like a few days early. 
And then I was in London being like, oh, I can just get on my flight from London to Dubai. It cancels. Dude, if you don't get on the first flight, it cancels the rest. Yeah, there's just random By rules. default. Oh, like, what? By e- default. Even on a round trip. It doesn't have to be a multi-city. If you had a round trip oh, right. yeah. to Florida, and then you're like, screw it, I'll drive to Florida. And then you want to get on the way back? No, it's been canceled. Dude, absolutely. For what reason? Up and Why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could make the, like, yeah. Fuck, fuck airlines. <laughs> fuck planes. There's so many rules. It's like. Well, I mean, th- the first time I traveled, I didn't know that the flight time. Oh, this is my favorite story. The flight time was not when you have to show up at the gate. So the flight was at like 7 p.m. And me and our mutual friend show up at the gate at 7 p.m. And we're like, they're like, where have you been? We've been calling for you. You're like, we're like, oh, we had headphones on. <laughs> they're like, your flight left. And we're like, why? It's 7. Like, we're right on time. But we were like 15. But like, no one tells you that. Like, yeah. Just got to figure it out with your life. <laughs> um, okay, you, you've been talking about this idea of, like on for a while now. And we've had this mutual idea of like a peer-to-peer gambling. Yeah. So you want to get into that? Yeah. So this just, this honestly keeps popping into my head every couple of months. Peer-to-peer gambling app where the main premise is, you know, obviously you can go and bet on sports online right now. But if I, if we say, I bet you it's raining outside right now and, and we want to bet 20 bucks on that it basically has to be cash. It hasn't been like mm-hmm. modernized or whatever. Um, and so the, my first idea was from that where like both people agree to a bet, me and him agree. It charges our credit card. It basically goes into escrow the $40, both our twenties. Yeah. And on the end, we both agree and say, okay, Zach one, Zach one, um, money gets released to his account. Then, you know, as you kind of think about it more, you could step that up even further to like markets where you say, hey, I think Donald Trump's going to gonna win the presidency. I'm willing to put up to like 10 grand on this um, at a 2x thing. And then people can like, mm-hmm. like eBay, buy like a chunk of that. Like, oh, I don't think that'll happen. 20 bucks, whatever. Um, and start to like fill these bets. Almost like a GoFundMe for like gambling. Okay. Um, so I think that's cool. The other thing that's cool is like, and then it's verified by this peer-to-peer betting site, like what what actually occurred. Um, I was even thinking when I was thinking through this idea. So like I've I've heard this idea from six to seven people <laughs> and all of them look and sound like us. Um, <laughs> and so I think it is like potentially like a niche market. Yeah. But I've also heard it like a bunch of people, people that want to make this. Um, I've also thought it'd be cool to be able to delegate like a third party as the person that validates. So right. Like, let's just say like you and I bet on something. We like delegated a podcast producer and like you are wholeheartedly, you know, deciding whether like who the payout goes to. But I'm not a big, I, I don't love watching sports. I love playing sports. I hate watching it. So I've never been like a big sports gambler, but I do like gambling with like friends about random shit. Right. Like, Will the flight like will the flight leave on time? Like that right. makes your trip at the airport so much better. Load it in, load it in, and it's just bucks. like boom. It will be fun. I think it'd be a ton of fun. And I, I actually know a guy that was like starting to build this out. He he's based in London. Um, funny enough, the trip that trip I was talking about. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was visiting him there, um, and they were working on it. I think they raised a bit of money, but I, I don't know what the laws are around it. Like obviously so, it depends on place to place. But so this is what I was just gonna say. I was like, yeah, it's a cool idea, but like the. The gambling industry is such a mess. You got to deal with governments and regulations and forget it. Mm-hmm. I watched a guy's video maybe a year ago that 
completely shifted my thinking on that. And his, his point was like, eat your customer's complexity, which is basically the first instinct of like any entrepreneur, I think when they hear like an overly complex thing, like business regulations and government mm -hmm. is like, oh, that's like a messy business. I don't want to be in there. If you actually think about it, it's actually a, a free moat right. given by that market. As people like, aren't going to do it. Yeah. People aren't, if you make a new cigarette company, there's so many rules and whatever that now that you're in there, like it's tough for others to compete. It costs a lot of money. So like, yeah, it's so much easier to pick like the super easy, quick to launch business that mm -hmm. doesn't have any like regulations and you'll get to market faster, but you can have people copying you just as easily. So there's something to be said for these type of businesses that are regulatory and like, like Uber and Airbnb mm -hmm. that like, yeah, they went through like, you know, how much Uber had to go through in every single city to, to be around. But now that they're there, like yeah, they're, they're the one. Right. So I recently I've been thinking about that as I think of like ideas of like not to shy away from complexity and to actually see it as like a, as a plus to a business. That's an interesting insight. I like, I like that a lot. There's a few things like features that I've been wanting to build recently that I'm like, Oh, that's like a little bit too much, but like, maybe that's actually like where you should lean in rather than like, be like, Fuck. I love the way you just said that. What? Oh, that's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, like just in like, it seems like the solution to the problem is more is like so much more complex than the value yeah. provides sometimes. But in that discrepancy is potentially where like there's actually like that's actually maybe where value creation kind of exists. Yeah. Yeah. The example he gave was Amazon and he was like, you know, think about the complexity of having of building Amazon Prime, just for just for next day delivery. Like right. anywhere can give you four or five day delivery, which is pretty good. But to get to next day delivery. They had to have their own trucks, their own truck. They basically had to build a new FedEx. Right. Like they had to completely build a shipping company. And you would think like, oh, it's, it's too complex just to get their customers something two days earlier. But now that they've gone through that, what do you think of when you hear next day shipping? Amazon Prime. Mm. So it's interesting. I'm into it. Have you heard of a website called Charity Buzz? I have not heard of a website called Charity Buzz. Oh, good. Buzz. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. Yeah, this would be a boring conversation if you had. Um, so I had a friend use it in the past, but it had kind of escaped my mind. And then someone that worked there reached out to me on LinkedIn today. So I went back to Charity Buzz. Charity Buzz is basically a marketplace for unique experiences where the what you pay for it, what you auction on these like different experiences all goes to charity. I've heard of this site. Yeah, I might have okay. I might have mentioned, you mentioned it, to, you it to me. I did not know the name of yeah. Charity Buzz. So um, so I went on it today. There's all kinds of stuff. There's like the, the one you, who, who's Jesse Itzler. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, uh, courtside tickets to a Hawks game with Jesse Itzler. How much does that cost? Uh, or it's an auction. It's an auction. Okay. I think the estimated value is $7,500 for that. Um, there are courtside tickets more than $7,500. I don't know what it's like in Atlanta. In <laughs> okay. Toronto, it's like okay. probably five grand. Right, right. Yeah. It, okay. I mean, it might go for more than that probably. Um, but yeah, it probably won't go above like 10 grand. It, they're not that crazy. One of them was like, okay. Mark Cuban will follow you on Instagram um, for like 2000 bucks. Uh, and I'm like, that's kind of valuable. Like, Those like, are also like kind of cool gifts. Yeah, they're definitely cool gifts. But I think where they really have success is that it's, I'm, a, I'm not a, 
accountant. But it sounds to me like it's a full tax write-off, like a charitable gift oh. write-off. Because it's very much written as like, this is a gift. This is a charity like donation Mark Cuban's to this. not getting the money. He, Mark Cuban's not getting the money. It's going directly to the charity. He's doing it because right. he gets to donate to charity for free. Maybe he gets the tax write-off I wonder, if, he, I wonder well. if he's getting... There's no way they're double-dipping the tax write-off. That's true. But maybe they're splitting it? Or maybe there's... Like, I, yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I don't know. I you don't, should I don't go know. into the account, get one of these things, and then see, like, when you request for the tax receipt, see what they actually do. Yeah. Because it'd be interesting to see, too. Like, imagine if, like, Mark Cuban is just following people on Instagram and, like, every time just getting a $2,000 tax write off. Yeah. That's, like, yeah, it could. fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's tons of cool ones. There's, like, a Super Bowl experience at Las Vegas with, like, all just like these very specific experiences that, like, you can't just buy easily. And it's a write off, and you know, so that, like. So, which one when you're on there is like, this is the one I want? Was there anything? I mean, knowing you, if you saw it, you would have had it already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta wait till the auction ends. But okay. um, honestly, like, there's a lot of celebrity stuff, and I'm not a big, like, celebrity guy. Right. Um, and so, like, a lot of the values are, inf prices are inflated because it's like, with this, right. do this with this guy. It's like, okay, well, like, I don't want to do it with this guy. I kind of just want to do it on my own uh, or with someone I know. And also like, I just feel like it is a bit of a weird dynamic of like, Hey, hey. I'm paying you to be here. Like, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like prostitution. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a cool idea. I, I, um, I had a friend who has used it in the past to get like a bunch of meetings with people that he wouldn't have been able to meet. So I think like, if you're trying to do something in a very specific career, especially with the amount of celebrities, like it could be interesting from like a, mm. a networking perspective. I mean, it's kind of like intro in a different it's intro, way. but in person. Yeah. It's or I guess not experiential person, experiential. That's cool. I've been like thinking a lot recently about like experiences broadly. Cause I realized mm -hmm. it's like my favorite thing to spend money on is experiences and then homes when traveling, but I'm actually not as, I don't have as much of an issue with like, my primary home being like whatever hmm. but like when i'm traveling i really like getting nice airbnbs and like nice homes um but i was thinking about like the experience one a lot and like we've been like talking about like getting our like we want to get our gun license and mm -hmm. and i want to i want to get my pilot's license and i was just like i really want to in like going into 2024 i want to like make sure i plan a lot of the stuff into my year because otherwise you can just go through a whole life without like getting anything done right or like doing any of the things but um, and actually, Jesse Itzler has this idea of like this big ass calendar where he has a whole 12 month calendar that's like probably like 10 feet by 10 feet. And he, he, the way he thinks about it is like, I, he's like, I plan my life. And like the way he describes life is like the things that he wants to do before. And then he's like, the rest of life fits in. Hmm. But he's like, if you just let your life go, like trying to fit shit in doesn't work. And so he puts these like rocks. I guess you can like even like think back to like that other like analogy of like, if you want to fill a jar, you put like the big rocks in first, you put the smaller rocks and then, and then you put the sand and like you mm. put it all in. But if you put the sand in first, then you'll never fit the big rocks mm. in. Um, and so I want to do, that's something I was like really top of mind this year for me is like, I want to like be like by January 1st, I should have all of my flight lessons planned out. I should know when they are so that there's not an issue, you know, near the end of the year being like, oh, I never found the time. It's like, no, just put them in and I'm mm. going to go and do that. I like that. Um, so yeah, that's something I want to do. buy the calendar? No, I haven't. I'll probably order it. I'll buy. I'll buy the calendar. We have a. We're gonna yeah, do like okay. a trip in in January together. Maybe we'll we'll have a calendar party. Yes, <laughs> fill the calendar <laughs> at the airport. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Was there any uh, speaking, like was there, is there any specific thing that you've always wanted to do like experience wise that you haven't done? I, I, no, I don't think the, the only thing that's in my head um, from when I was a kid was I mean I did do it was just like I just remember being a kid and being like oh, I want to go to Australia it seems cool it's so mm. far away. Um, You're forgetting one. There's one that you want to do. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's at a ski resort. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. We have to do that. Yeah. I've been wanting to, since I was a kid, rent out a ski resort during, for a day or whatever, a hill, get all my friends together, have a paintball match on the ski hill, be able to like get on the chairlift and like and shoot, shoot people down, skiing or capture like the flag. You're skiing down and you're shooting guys on the chairlift. Um, kind of like the old golden eye. That's in a ski resort. I don't know if you ever played that. Double no, I've never played Golden. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think that would be the most amazing day ever. <laughs> to make it happen. Yeah, we got to find a got to find a ski resort that's down to give us it for a day. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much it costs. Paint is the problem. <laughs> Do you think that's the biggest issue? Because like, you can definitely get. Um, I mean, it, it, the snow will melt. Yeah, the snow will melt. So it's no, but I'm saying like you can get uh, paintballs that are biodegradable. So yeah. it's like they probably would just like melt in the snow. I feel like that's the hardest part it's of it. 100% just, bookable. You yeah, 100% bookable. Get, you need I wonder how big, much it costs. You need a lot of people. You it's got to be like 150 grand, I bet. Maybe less. I mean, it depends on where it is. Like yeah. maybe there's like a ski hill in Argentina where, but then you got to like fly everybody to Argentina. Argentina. I don't know about that, but. What do you mean, dude? Is they it hot in Argentina? Dude, you have, you're retarded. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, there's skiing in Argentina. I've been telling you I've wanted to go to Argentina for like, I was even sending, when we were talking about doing this trip together, I was sending you like Argentinian hunting trips that we could go on dude patagonia is in Ar argentina which is like some of like the most like beautiful snow-capped mountains in the entire world with beautiful lakes i'll believe it when i see it i've been sending you <laughs> photos you don't reply back uh, <laughs> all right i think that's a good place to to cut this one off yeah. this has been this episode done with done this week don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. Yeah. Um, we're starting to post clips on TikTok, so definitely engage with those. Give Daddy some juice. And <laughs> um, I'll, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>